with 2023 coming to a close, it's time to take a look back at the year for Apple. What were the highlights? What were the letdowns? And what about those times they totally surprised us? It's the year in review on this episode of the Macworld Podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola, here with Jason Cross. Good morning. And Michael Simon. Hello, sir. Uh, we've got a couple of weeks left in December, and one more show after this one before we go on holiday. We'll be back in January, just in case you're wondering. So we thought we'd talk about the year that was for Apple. If you could come up with a phrase to describe Apple's 2023, what would it be? To me, I, I would think that maybe 2023 was kind of pedestrian. Yeah. The product releases were fine. There were a couple of big announcements, but everything else was kind of not really earth-shaking. Good. You'll get to it, but obviously the, the big thing we don't even have yet is the vision pro like that's the the main if if, if you want to point to something that was exciting that's really it <laughs> that was by far their biggest announcement the iphone was this year was very minimal upgrade i mean it's one when all their ads feature titanium is the greatest thing <laughs> like like it just there's just not a lot going on there that's not the same as last year's iphone but a little better but the things like the software updates and stuff, they really didn't push in any new direction in a really advanced way. There's a lot of nice little quality of life stuff. There's a lot of good little improvements here and there and stuff like that. But there's no big, oh, wow, they really changed everything this year. I guess it's the nicest thing you can say about a company that they continue to – that it's gotten so consistent that they just put out better thing and – like these, all these improvements and stuff every year that it's boring when they do it. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say it was a down year because that would imply that it was a bad year. I'm sure if you talk to Tim Cook, he'll tell you that it was a fantastic year. But if you talk to the CFO, he would say that it's not so great because they were, they were down for the first time in a long, long time. Their quarterly results didn't meet expectations and they, they dipped year yeah. over year a little bit, a little bit. I now, mean, they still made tens of billions yeah, of dollars. They still so made a ridiculous like, amount of money. Yeah. I, I will say that both iPad and Mac had a pretty bad year, not because they made bad products, but because they're not exciting people anymore. iPad was, there was nothing. There was not a single new iPad in 2023. And, and there was a better processor and camera in it. That's not going to move the needle, right? You either need to give something so outrageously advanced and incredible that they feel like, oh my God, I need to upgrade. We kind of need to change what the iPad is and does. So it needs kind of a bit of a reinvention uh, and not just some upgrades. Yeah, I think iPad's in a weird place right now. I mean, having three pencils on sale at once just, just doesn't help. Like there's no clear message with iPad. That was the one of the weird surprises of 2023 was the USB-C Apple Pencil just popped up in October with no new iPad or no no fan center. It's just like, all right, now we have this. And it's cheaper than the Apple Pencil 1. And it offers USB-C instead of Lightning. And it, it, it doesn't have wireless charging, but it does attach to the side of the iPad. <laughs> and it's compatible with this one and not that one. And it's they like, They have man. to have a whole like comparison checklist of like features yeah. for their three styluses on sale right now 
it, it feels very much like the Apple that was around when after Steve Jobs got booted and before he came back, where it's like, will we just have, if we're not meeting our expectations, we just need more products in more areas all over the place. And it just feels like that. So they, I think the iPad as a whole just needs focus and attention in, in a way that it doesn't appear to be getting. It was the first time since 20, 2010 when the, when the first iPad arrived that Apple went a full calendar year without updating anything about the iPad. So we'll, we'll talk about it next next week about what's coming in 2024, but there's going to be a lot of attention on the iPad. And maybe this is the year that we finally find out where Apple is going and what Apple is doing with the iPad. But even uh, even iPad OS 17, eh. Like it's just, it, you got the customizable lock screen. And that was really the like main new feature. There wasn't much. Some, you know, some improvements here and there. Uh, system, uh, uh, stage manager got a bit of an upgrade. But when they, when they broke apart iPad OS, I think it was, uh, 14. I and a lot of people thought like, okay, this is, this is it now. We've had this for, for 10 years or so. And now they're diverging from iOS. And it's going to be a, a a a real independent operating system that does its own things and isn't just a, a a version of iOS for a bigger screen. And it's still a version of iOS for a bigger screen with just a different name. Like it, it has all the iOS features, with the exception of Stage Manager. There's nothing about it that's unique to the iPad. While we're sort of on the theme of like things that didn't get an update or improvement, this uh, AirPods is another one. Yeah, all they did was USB-C on the Air second-gen AirPods The second-gen AirPods Pro, yeah. And a couple of small features, but... Yeah, yeah it's not... It, they didn't even change the name. It's the, the additions are so minor. Third-gen AirPods are still on sale, and I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I would never recommend someone to buy those at their full price because you can either get the second-gen for 99 or the Pro for 249 Either one, I think, is a smarter option, depending on what you want. The third-gen AirPods just don't make a lot of sense to me. So I don't know what happened in 2024. But it was just a very, you know, nothing year for the year. But there were a couple of nice features in iOS 17, uh, specifically for the Pro. But also, but all, all, of, all models got, got some software upgrades. But we're still waiting for the Max. That hasn't been updated in three years. We didn't get that. We're still waiting for that mythical sub $99 model that isn't just five years old and with a lower price tag. So I don't know what where they're going with the AirPods, but and that's another thing, 2024, maybe we'll find out. It, yeah, that didn't get a lot of attention this year. As opposed to the iPad, they don't need it. I mean, the, Air, the Macs are out of date, but like they're still selling gangbusters. The latest AirPods Pro are still a very good wireless earbud, <laughs> you know. They're not being soundly beaten by everybody else out there or anything like that. And, and they're frequently on sale at a, at a reasonable price. Not the, not the max again, but all the others are frequently on sale. The Apple Watch Series 9 came out. I think that's pretty much all we want to say about that. <laughs> yeah, there is a new Apple Watch. Um, no new sensor. It got a new chip and it got a new gesture. And that's it. The gesture is enabled by more sensitive accelerometers. That's one of those things that maybe there'll be another thing 
next year or in future software that this is a hardware dividing line, just like they did when they changed the the accelerometers and all that stuff to allow crash detection and stuff. There is that sort of line where all these ones have the new accelerometer. So it could be something like that. But the big one there was watchOS 10. That was a pretty big update that changed a lot of how things work, that changed a lot of features, does a lot of cool stuff. There was also a new Ultra 2, and I can't even remember what the Ultra 2... It's just a chip. It's the same thing. Yeah. And the new chip, the, S, the S9 chip and the gesture. Uh, there were a couple other small things. They screened brighter or maybe significantly brighter for, for outdoor use. But yeah, nothing. I think that was true of the Series 9 too. But yeah, you're right. The S9 got a brighter screen too. They kind of have to update the Ultra because it would have been weird if the S9 got a new chip and the Ultra, which is more expensive, had the old chip. So they kind of have no choice there. But listen, I mean, we, we kind of go do this every year with the Apple Watch and say, look, oh, there's nothing really there. It's the same price and you get more stuff. So it's not like it's a bad thing that they keep having these small little upgrades. I mean, watches like normal wrist watches go, you know, years and years and years with, without any kind of a meaningful upgrade. I mean, decades even. Listen, there's nothing wrong with a new chip and a gesture. The Apple Watch is not a device that Apple is trying to sell to someone who bought an S8 and saying, you know, you should buy the S9. They're selling it to new people, switchers, and people who have an S3 or an S4 or something. Okay, now you can get this one. Yeah, that's that's the business model there. And they do great. There's no competition that's that's better. There's nothing even really close. The, the Pixel Watch, the Galaxy Watch, like they're not even, there's, there's not even in the conversation. They did surprise us in January, February with a new HomePod, which is the same as the old HomePod. It's the second gen. I have no idea how it's selling. Apple hasn't mentioned it since that day. It has some new speaker tech, um, a new color, which is basically the old color, but a little bit different. It's midnight instead of space black, gray or whatever it was. It's the same thing. It's the same dimensions. It's the same concept. It's the same 360 degree sound stuff same price even because it's 299 and it was 299 so it started out as 349 and then they cut the price to 299 and before they got rid of it completely i I, it's it's a mystery to me we wrote it when it came out like what is this thing doing and 10 years 10 months later we're like well i still i don't know i have to assume it's a, a manufacturability update if you disassembled it all you would find that it's made with Fewer parts, fewer steps, all that kind of stuff. They basically said, oh, we need to, this thing costs too much to make. We can design this in such a way that it costs less to make. But they stopped selling it for a while. I don't know, a year and a half, maybe. And then they just unceremoniously brought it back. And then, like, they didn't really say, talk about it. Like, the, the whole pond mini, I get it's 99 bucks. It's, it's, it's really good. It fits, you know, it works as a, as a little speaker on a desk or a kitchen or wherever. The 299 HomePod, I'm sure people buy. It's a fantastic sounding speaker. I just don't think Apple needs it in its life. The Mac this year. So we finally got the M3 chip. And Apple did something different this year. They didn't just re- release the base M3. They also released the M3 Pro and the M3 Max. And they also released the <laughs> the M2 Pro and M2 So in January, the end of January, they came out with that. It would be nice if they updated the Mac line in a more all at once 
as as they can. They're they're kind of halfway there. They got almost all the chips. There's the Ultra still, and that prevented them from releasing a Mac Studio update. And they didn't release other Macs that will get the M3 like new Air and stuff like that. But they're they're halfway to just saying like this is when the new Macs come. And I would love having that nice simple thing where it's not multiple different times a year. It could even be split up to like, here's when our desktop ones and here's when our laptops come out or something. I would love for most product lines for Apple to get to be as regular as they are with the iPhone. Oh, is it September? September's the new iPhone. October, which is when the M3 came, it's probably the closest to like the max months over the years, at least traditionally, like October has been, if they're going to have a second event devoted to the Mac, it's in October. But it's, 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 it's hardly reliable. We go years with nothing in October sometimes. And then like this year, we got the first one in January and then again in October. And there's frequently Mac stuff released at WWDC. I mean, the last couple have been all software, but like there's that's that's not unusual and it's usually stuff aimed at developers. Well, this year we got the, the Ultra, the M2 Ultra and the Mac Pro and the Mac 2 and the 15 inch Air. Actually, we got we, we got all that stuff at WWDC this year. We also saw the departure of the 13 inch MacBook Pro with the touch bar. I don't miss the touch bar, but I also wouldn't hate it on the 14 inch Pro. Like, I think it, it really could have been something great and ingenuitive and innovative if Apple did anything to it other than nothing. Like, they came out with it, and then that was really it. Like They never made it anything that was, you know, something that, like, 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 like a, a part of the system that you had to use. Like, it was always there. Like, if you wanted to use it, good. If you didn't, and needed a little bit more of uh, maybe UX or, or just attention. Not, not to disagree, but I, I feel like people disagree. Not well, not to derail the whole conversation. I disagree. I think it's fundamentally flawed, conceptually from the beginning, because it's the entire point of it is it's a dynamic space. It's a space that whose interface will change. Otherwise, you would put physical keys. It'd be cheaper, <laughs> and that defeats the purpose of the keyboard deck. The whole point of it is you look down. I'm looking at my screen and I don't want to look at my key. I have a configurable software driven interface space. It's already, it's on my screen and I'm already looking at it. So there's, there's just nothing the touch bar did that couldn't have been a floating bar on your display or anything like that. It's just that you could see. So it's, it's like a neat technical trick from its foundation is. You can't develop any muscle memory because it's dynamic and it changes. And so now I'm looking away from my screen all the time in order to use my computer, and that's not what I want to do. Yeah, 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 I, I see that. The uh, Mac Pro arrived this year at WWDC with the last Mac in the Intel transition and doesn't have upgradable RAM, doesn't have upgradable graphics does have upgradable storage and some other minor uh, PCIX stuff. But it's twice as much as the studio and has the same processor. It's a it's a bit of a conundrum why Apple still sells it for the price it does or at all. And who who would buy it? I don't I just don't understand the point. I understood it before 
you know, people want to upgrade their graphic card. People want to add more RAM. You can't do anything. So it's the same M2 Ultra chip, which is a ridiculously fast chip. It's, it's, it's a tremendous chip, but you can get it for $6,000 or, or three, it's whatever, whatever the price is in the, I think it's 3000 in the studio. And you're going to pay 6000 in the Mac Pro. I just don't get it. It's, it's, it seems like it's strictly for the very slim group of people who just absolutely need to put a PCIe card mm-hmm. in there for a specialized interface with uh, audio board or video, like real-time production stuff or whatever. They've got some something that doesn't work with Thunderbolt. Has to, that has to go, yeah, it's not a Thunderbolt product. It's It has an internal PCIe thing. That's what they got to have. So, or they need to put in a bunch of networking cards, <laughs> something like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a would really be fine if Apple didn't charge twice as much. Like if they cut the price to, I don't know, $4,500. Okay, I get it. But it's twice as much for the same processing and RAM. We also got the new 15-inch MacBook Air. Yeah, well, the the 14-inch, the 14-inch Pro, like literally, replaced the 13-inch Pro. So the 13-inch Pro started at 1299 for an M2 M2 chip, uh, old screen, old design, blah blah. The 14-inch MacBook Pro now has an M3 chip with the new design, a new screen, but it starts at 15. So we're talking about 400 bucks, which isn't, that's a lot, I think. You still get eight, eight, eight gigs of RAM. You get twice the storage. So you get, uh, the other one started at 256. This one starts at 512. So if you can compare apples to apples, the other, the, uh, the M2 Pro, 13 inch M2 Pro cost 1499, I want to say for the 512 gigabyte storage. I think it's 200 bucks. So, so it's a, it's a hundred dollars more for much 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 better screen. The 15 inch MacBook Air shocked us. So we knew it was coming. Everybody knew it was coming. The 13 inch M2 M2 MacBook Air, which came out in 2022, cost 11.99. That that was 200 dollars more than the M1 Air, which cost 9. Still does. When the 15 inch Air came out a year later at WWDC. That cost twelve ninety nine, and they cut the price of the thirteen inch Air to ten ninety nine, which is both of which are fantastic prices. You can get that fifteen inch Air always on sale somewhere, either Amazon or B and H or Best Buy, for like ten ten ninety nine, ten forty nine, and the thirteen inch Air sometimes for like nine under under a thousand bucks. It's unless you need the screen and the processing power of an M3 Pro or Max. One of those two machines are, I would put that up against any, any high-end Windows laptop, any, anything. They're fantastic devices for really good prices. The MacBook Pro, on the other hand, at, at 1600 bucks, I wouldn't recommend to anybody. Like they went in the other direction with that. If that was 1499, all right, yeah, okay, fine. But that extra hundred bucks is like, Apple does this so meant so often. Where they nail one price and then completely and totally blow another one. And it makes it so difficult to understand like what they're thinking when they set these prices. It's almost like they have to fill a price point. 
And they're like, all right, so this has to cost this. Yes. What's well, the we least they, amount of no... parts we can put in it to make it cost up? But that 15-inch Air at regular price at $12.99 is excellent. When it's on sale, which it always is for like uh, $10.99 or less, it's it's incredible. All right, my, my rant is over. one of the big changes that happened with the iphone is we got usb-c you can thank the european union for that after all the hand wringing it's perfectly fine inside did a great i like apple should have done in five years oh yeah there's no reason like when i travel now i still need to bring two stupid cables because my son has an older iphone and I have a newer iPhone, but in like three years when all that isn't an issue, like it's just, it's so much nicer just to have one to grab, even if you need two or three of them, like you don't have to look at the end of the cable and say, is this the right one? You just grab a cable, you throw it in your bag and you're done. All your Macs will still, even the ones with, even the ones with their custom chargers still charge over USB-C, right? So you can even just that, that's just fine. Just grab your one cable. Or borrow, borrowing a cable from someone else just became a lot less of a headache. Uh, action button is a good replacement for the mute switch, but it's very limited right now. The USB-C thing brought what made me think, you know, a, a lot of what's interesting going on with Apple this year has been policy stuff. Before we talked about policy, though, I guess if, if we're bringing up iPhone, we should talk about iOS 17. What do we think? How does it? How do we think this compares to past iOS updates? Well, I guess to- <laughs> I'm having a hard time thinking of like what the feature exactly. Like I, I didn't set up my my contact poster thing. Really? No, I never did it. Huh. I've set mine up, but don't you need to have another person to have iOS 17 to kind of take advantage of that? Yeah, they need to. It, It'll only show up to other people who have iOS. Yeah. I haven't actually been in a situation where I was exchanging contact information with someone yet. So I haven't, while I've set up the card, I haven't really. You probably have because it shows up when you call someone. When you make a phone call, yeah. That's like, true. That's, that's the screen. Well, I don't make phone calls. I just text <laughs> people. That's all, all I do is text. I don't call people anymore. <laughs> I mean, there is a lot of, it, this, this is almost like a, quality of life release so many things are just making features major features that already existed work better standby was kind of notable for being a new an actual new thing i feel like it's a tip of the iceberg first of all the idea that it's only really useful it'll work on any iphone but it only really is useful on iphones with uh always on displays and i don't understand that because it only turns on when your phone is charging and in landscape mode. So just leave it on, on other displays. <laughs> like, why does it matter if you're, it's always on display if you, uh, but it feels like it is baby steps to making iPhones that are, have a really true good sort of dock mode, but also other products like a HomePod with a dock and stuff. It feels like it's, they're building all the frameworks and tools and, and interface experience and stuff. And this is just the first baby step. But a lot of it's quality of life stuff like interactive widgets. You know, we got our big widgets thing. People were like, well, how come I can't, how come I can't check things off my list or tap a light to turn it on and off? And now you can't. To me, the biggest thing was an under the hood thing where 
they uh, have a new language model that is used in everywhere that they use that. So it's it, both in understanding speech, Siri and stuff like that, like your when you talk, and that's used to do things like the live voicemail, and it just makes Siri a lot more accurate. I found like much much better at not just hearing you but understanding what you're asking for and saying. Uh, it made dictation a lot better. Plus, they also made it so that when you're in dictation mode, you can edit with the keyboard without stopping dictation. You know, so a lot of nice things. But like that language model running underneath, changing the whole sort of text language model for that's used for predictions and everything else. I think that made a big difference. It didn't. It's not a new feature. It just made all the features that we were complaining about work a lot better. And I hope to, I hope that it's like next year's just an even better evolution of that. I found personally that the typing, it's the same. Like I didn't, I, I didn't notice an improvement. So like the predictive text thing is supposed to be smart and learn your stuff better. And I don't, I don't, I just, I just don't see it on my phone. When I type, like I, I make the same mistakes as I always did. I have the same, the same, you know, corrections that I need to make. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a bad type, which, you know, it still requires me to make a lot of same things, but that's a lot of times because I use the swipe when I'm typing and it just thinks I'm doing a different word and it hasn't learned that that needs improvement in a lot of ways. It, that's not taking contextual clues for my sentence for like, which word am I trying to go at? It's like, why would you suggest that word? That word makes no sense. And I was obviously doing this other word with one where the letter's right next to that other letter. But that it doesn't autocorrect uh, foul language anymore is <laughs> helpful. Um, and you see this more in some apps than others, but the predictive text doing the next several words, the next like phrases uh, thing, like in, in it's, it's weird where that shows up and where it doesn't. It, it feels like that doesn't work in some web apps and stuff, but it does work in messages and mail and I don't know. But, but when that works, that's really good. Yeah, I, I feel like, but I feel like autocorrect got, I feel like autocorrect got better. I don't feel like the keyboard got better at recognizing like sort of what I'm typing. It makes sense because uh, I, I, I feel the same way. I feel, still feel like I, it autocorrects especially if I write something, it's not necessarily slang, but what is it called? Like if I write gotta instead of got to. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. I, I know there's a word for that and I can't think of it right now, but it still corrects me when I do things like that. Even though that's correct, there are instances where I want to use when I'm writing and it, it doesn't, it's, it doesn't recognize that. It, it would be better if it was faster at learning. Like you go back and tap where it autocorrected and you can say, no, go back to what I actually typed. That, that's a nice feature. And it's supposed to learn when you do that. Not to, and I don't think it learns that fast enough. Cause yeah, I still run into those issues sometimes. It's frustrating sometimes because when I'm using Google to search and I completely butcher something. It's smart enough to say, were you looking for this? And it's usually right. 
like it, it based on what I typed, based on the context of maybe it's more than one word, based on what's trending, whatever it is. And I feel like Apple's not quite there yet. Where even in like the App Store, if I type something and I'm off, I'll get a search search results that aren't even close to what I'm actually looking. That's where I think, again, we'll talk about this next week, that generative AI push, which is allegedly or reportedly coming to iOS 18. Like if all of that stuff works out of the box, which is what Apple does, like they don't iterate in public. So I'm not surprised that it doesn't work. It's not there yet. But if like iOS 18 all of a sudden makes it where I got to do something once where I used to have to do it two to three times, like that'll be like, a groundbreaking improvement which you know to be honest that's really all we need like ios is fantastic android's fantastic like these phones are amazing what they do like we're really nitpicking here as far as like the ability that we have with these little devices that are in our pocket i mean it's you know ios 17 iphone 14 whatever whatever you're using it's great you know they're all great my dad asked me every year should i get the new iphone i'm like i don't know like, is there any, like, you take a lot of pictures? Like, they're, they're all really yeah. good. Like, do you need a new iPhone? <laughs> right. That's, like, that's what... you could get an iPhone 13, and it's fantastic. So, Jason, you mentioned some policy changes. Yeah, it seems like the most significant things in iPhone land, but in other places, too, are sort of either policy changes or coming policy changes. The, the, the big one that kind of happened already, uh, there's two. I guess one is the big switch to USB-C. They're not done yet. There's still plenty of lightning stuff out there, but they're obviously moving everything to USB-C. We already touched on that. The other is Apple's environmental push, which has been an ongoing thing, but they made it a real point to highlight this year how much reclaimed material they're using, how much green power they're using to the point where they're having the, they have their first quote, certified net zero products, you know, which I think is the new Apple Watch. With the fine woven band. Yeah, and fine woven was a bit of a misstep. Yeah, so we didn't talk about that, but that, I mean, it's just an accessory. Yeah, I mean, it's a number of accessories. It kind of replaced all the leather, but that was just, the point is they replaced leather with something. It, what they replaced it with isn't the best, <laughs> but that was a good step. They, this stuff is not cheap. And it's it's weird because it's one of those things they spend a lot of money on or or give up on a lot of potential cost savings to do. So it's it, that's an interesting I don't want to call it a policy chain, but they, they it's a big push and a big shift and a big announcement. The bottom line is they did replace leather. They do have an a push to make all their products as environmentally neutral or carbon neutral as they can be by within like and it's it's not the the deadline isn't that far off. It's like twenty thirty or something. So they are they are making an effort to be as environmentally sound. And considering they're the largest company in the world, they sell probably the most products of any company that, you know, it's a it's an admirable You kind of feel like you have to if if their entire company their services business is growing, but their entire company is predicated on making you feel like you need to buy a new one. And the ability of them to say, but we're going to take your old one and recycle almost all of it. And the new one that you buy is going to be made almost all from recycled and reclaimed stuff and everything. Like that's pretty important. 
if they're going to keep saying you got to keep buying something, if they're going to keep pushing a consumer culture of like, you know, the one, the thing you have is never good enough, then they've got to do that kind of stuff. It's good to see them doing it. It's good to see them showing that like, yeah, you can be the richest company in the world and still be the richest company in the world. This doesn't tank your company. Another policy change is that Apple announced that it will support RCS text messages in upcoming version of iOS. For folks who don't know, RCS is a standard for messaging. Texting, sending pictures and videos and stuff. It's the replacement for SMS that fixes all the like, you know, you only have 160 characters or whatever it is and images have to be under this size and there's no red receipts and all that other stuff. It lets them do all those. And Apple's so invested in its iMessage protocol that a lot of people, I think us included, never expected Apple to embrace, well, I don't know if embrace is the right word, but to adopt RCS, but they're going to do it apparently, probably because they don't want to face another antitrust suit from from the European Union. Well, they, they already are. By by all accounts, the announcement of RCS was so they would go even easier on them when they rendered the next decision. There's so many of these. In fact, Google just lost one this morning, the Epic the Epic trial. Like every day there's a new something. But um the EU is going particularly hard on Apple and Google and and others. And the move to RCS is it's Listen, it's a good one. We've talked about this already. We've, we had a whole big, we had a whole show devoted to it. It's, it's good for iPhone users. It's good for Android users. It's good for everybody because the iPhone is the biggest phone in the world. A lot of people use it. And if you aren't, uh, just texting with an iPhone person, this will make your experience on your iPhone better. It's unfortunate that Apple had to be forced to do it. And this couldn't have happened several years ago because it's more secure. It's it's better in every conceivable way, other than Apple's mythical thing that everyone's going to start now switching to Android phones because they can use iMessage, or iMessage isn't as valuable. Basically, I, I do hope they're able to work with GSM to bring encryption to RCS. Yeah, I, I I'm going to assume they they will. I would be surprised. They'll say they'll they, be working with them, but let's see how long that takes. Uh, but the sooner the better, because part of the problem with with the SMS stuff now is as soon as you text anyone on an Android, there's one Android phone in your group chat or anything. Everyone's using SMS and that compromises every iPhone user's security. It's not like they're just leaving Android people unsecure. They're leaving iPhone people unsecure when this, when you text any of the 80% of the phones on the market. So there's stuff they haven't announced, but is going on like, they're going to have to open up the iPhone to NFC payments in Europe. That just dropped out recently, uh, instead of just Apple Pay. There's, they're expected to, by March is the deadline, have to open up app distribution on the iPhone to things other than the App Store. We don't know what that's going to look like. Apple's very quiet about it, but that does, is it, is it going to mean other app stores? side loading like like we we don't know but you'll be you'll have to be able to get apps on your phone from something other than the app store and they're going to have different rules they're going to have different rules around how you get to pay and all this other stuff so 
these are big policy shifts. These these change fundamentally the way the iPhone is going to work. I guess the big deal about Apple services this year is that Apple made a lot of money through services. Uh, they plan to make a little more money because all of the prices for Apple services went yeah. up in 2023. Some, t- some cases by a lot percent on a percentage basis. Like Apple TV went up like what, 40% or something? Like, cause it was the cheapest one. It was $5.99, I believe, to start the year. And now it's nine. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe it was six ninety. It might have been six ninety nine. It's on a percentage basis. It's a lot. It's still one of the more affordable streaming platforms, but they also just have less sort of content. Um, yeah, it's, but it's, yeah, they've, they're, it, that's one way to boost your services revenue. And listen, they're not the only person who's doing it. Netflix raised their price. Spotify raised their price. Everybody, like yeah, yeah. This is, this was the thing. Everybody just decided it's time to boil the frog. It's, it's like, okay, we've got, we've, we've gathered as many people as we can to our platform. How do we make more money? You know, we can't get more people. <laughs> Let's just start making everybody pay. And if you raise prices by, Forty percent and lose twelve percent of your customers. It's still a pretty it's good, a huge pretty win. good net yeah. gain. Yeah, yeah. All you have to do is make sure that you advertise the monthly raise in price, and it's just a buck or two. You know that hide the fact that it's essentially you're going to end up paying like fifty dollars more a year. Like, ignore that. Just like it's just another buck or two a month, and then people won't notice. The next thing you know. All your services that you're subscribed to end up costing you a lot more a month. It all added up and over a year. I think we're going to start seeing people be a little more choosy about the service. I think the services, the big contractions coming where everybody's going to start saying, do I really need this many streaming services? Do I really need these many other services? They're going to start looking at that. Yeah. There's a rumor that, um, Paramount Plus and Apple are going to create some kind of a bundle, which seems strange to me. But, you know, that's what kind of is happening. Showtime Showtime teamed up with Paramount Plus to sell, you know, because people enough people weren't buying the Showtime standalone subscription. Uh, Max, HBO's service now has Discovery and TNT and well, Ports. Like everyone's like Discovery and built it all yeah, in. <laughs> and built it all in, yeah. But, but like, there's the Hulu Disney bundle. And that's another sort of, they own a lot of Hulu and stuff. So everyone's wondering what the Paramount Plus, uh, what that bundle's going to look like. Cause it's boring if it's just like, Oh, get these two services for this combined for two dollars less than you would normally pay. Yeah. Right. But is it, are they going to do something more like make it integrate in a different way? Did, did the MLS thing start this year? Yes. They, they, they announced it. They announced it last year. I believe I'm nearly certain they announced Ledger, but it, it was February when it started. Yeah, and then they got MLS got messy, which was like a like a golden a golden parachute for Apple like that. That that uh, made MLS so much more valuable because you know it was fine before it had its fans, but yeah, and it was growing it a lot, huge. It was, and Messi got it. Uh, his a heck of a th- part of his deal was that he gets some of that MLS money from Apple, like for some of Apple's every new subscriber that they got since he started playing. Allegedly, he gets a uh, you get the percentage of that, yeah, which is yeah. unheard of, not and just from Apple, but in just 
in general, it's insane. Yeah. Like broadcast revenues are like untouchable by athletes. And this one was, I don't know if it'll change things. Who knows? Like, I don't think the Dodgers are giving Shohei Otani 10% of their TV revenues. <laughs> and it, yeah. It, yeah. Cause it's not, and it's not TV. It's specifically Apple's streaming deal, but they have a big exclusive anyway. So. But, but this, this push from Apple, Apple's executives are big sports fans. Um, multiple executives are big sports fans and they're anxious to get a piece of a lot of these sports things, but they don't want to do it in small steps. They want to do big things where they're the place to go for these things. Uh, and they will not stop pushing MLS in me. I have no interest and they cannot get it through. I get so much stuff popping up all the time and whole categories on my interface and stuff. And I'm like, I don't want it. Put it in the sports tab. Leave me alone. We also got the last season of Ted Lasso. So do you think there'll be there was an exodus of users after the uh, that season? I don't think finished? anybody. I don't think. I don't think people subscribers dropped. Uh, I think there's enough content now. I don't think anybody's just like I'm not going to pay anymore. It was good for new signups, but I don't think it was the only thing keeping people on. I do think there's going to be a spinoff, though. I would not be surprised. This big writer strike and actor strike and all that stuff, like sort of put a put a roadblock on stuff for a little while. But now that those things are resolved, we kind of got a spinoff because we got the Hannah Waddingham uh, holiday special. <laughs> I actually watched. That. Is it any good? I did not watch it. It's actually good, but the funny thing is, is that uh, the cast of Ted Lasso is all throughout the thing, so she has comedic bits with those uh they're not playing the characters they're playing themselves but but it is kind of funny that all these ted lasso actors are are in the show doing these little bits so you know if yeah if you have nothing else to watch it's it's, it's it, you might find it a little cringy i thought it was a little i thought it was entertaining they went to fairly great lengths to not call it a series for now and to not say the show was in all the all the actors, all the writers, all the producers, they say. But Apple did not call it a series finale. So the the door is open for a season four. The door is absolutely open for a spin-off. They have said um Ted Lasso the characters. Story is over. So they could continue to have a show about Greyhounds, you know, AFC Richmond. They could have they teased the girl team. Uh, you know, that could be a, a, another show stuff, but you, you wouldn't call the show Ted Lasso's, if Ted Lasso's not in it. So you, one wonders what it is, but I, I would expect at least one spinoff and it just won't, won't really feature Jason Sudeikis. Uh, so maybe we'll end this show with Apple's, maybe it's their biggest announcement of 2023. It was the reveal of the, Vision Pro, virtual reality, AR headset, whatever you want to call it. And it's the biggest announcement in 10 years. In a while. Since the Apple Watch, at least. Um, Yeah, uh, that was a big, they spent a whole lot of time. They did a big thing. They had demos. You saw a demo, Roman. You had your mind blown. (laughs) I had my mind blown. Yeah. Um, Apple made a big deal of it, although in retrospect, 
it was a pretty limiting experience uh, and very controlled. It's unusual to get a hands-on demo of a product that is like nine months away or something. So, but but they're going to ship this thing, and it's going to be ridiculously expensive. Uh, what what was the price? Thirty four ninety nine nine, and then more for lenses for your prescription and all that stuff. Uh, they're going to be very limited in scope, but this is the start of something that Apple thinks is huge. This is not a product. This is a new computing platform. They call it spatial computing. They don't call this AR or VR. That's a product. Like this is like spatial computing, which is like an umbrella over AR and VR and MR and metaverse and every other thing that somebody's putting into this. Um, this is their big stake in the ground for a completely new direction. And it's it was a big deal when they announced it. They're way out ahead of everyone in terms of like technical capabilities and feature set. <laughs> They're way. And it's a reason it's, it's a reason it's stupid expensive, but yeah. So we're not expecting it till when did I forget when did they project they didn't. that it would start? They said 2024. I think they said, er, yeah, early 2024 or something like that. So I, I they no, didn't they, 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 they might have. Uh, uh, some rumors say January, some rumors say March, but it looks like the first. If you go to Apple's site, their main nav has like store, Mac, iPhone, iPad. They put vision up there. Like it's, it's, that's how, that's how big this is for them. That does it for this episode of the Macro Podcast, episode 867. Thanks to Jason Cross. Thank you. Thanks to Michael Simon. Sure. And thanks to you, the audience. Thank you for tuning in. You can subscribe to the Macro Podcast and the podcast app on Spotify or to any other podcast app. If you have any comments or questions, send us an email at podcast at macworld.com or contact us through X, that's at macworld, or on threads, that's at macworld underscore HQ, or on the Macworld Facebook page. Join us in the next episode of the Macworld Podcast as we talk about the latest in the world of Apple. See you next time. <laughs>